0: Hey good morning everyone. Wow, wasn't it great the graduates? Man, I've seen these kids some of them grow up little babies and they're all grown up and they're still punks. No, they're great. They're they're good. <laughs> Can we just thank the graduates again and just pray for them. Pray for them. Absolutely. Pray for them. Everything changes after this, right? It's it's a new world. It's time to grow up and Hopefully you won't be living in my basement when you're 35 years old. But anyways, um, we're, we're so glad that you're here today. And um, we've been doing a deep dive into the study of uh, Psalm 23. And this is such a familiar psalm. And probably where you hear this psalm read, read many, many times is when we're going through stuff. When, when we're in a valley, when we're struggling. And what I love about this psalm is that it speaks to the rawness of David's heart. That David is a shepherd, he would watch the flock for his father, but he compared God as a good shepherd that watches over us, that leads us, that guides us, that gives us rest, that causes us for our souls to be recharged in him. And what I want to do is we're going line by line uh, in this wonderful, wonderful psalm. And, and I know this psalm, when we memorize the word of God, which we need to do, one of the pitfalls of memorizing the word of God is we just memorize it with our minds. And we don't allow it to permeate Our hearts. And I think something that can happen when we know uh, Scripture very, very well, it can lose its effectiveness in our heart. I want you to realize this morning that the Word of God is not some archaic thing that we just read and we say, oh, isn't that nice? But it's actually living and it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it wants to permeate your heart. It wants us to allow it to change us so that we're living according to the way God desires us to live. So as we're going through this line by line, I want us to look at this at a different way. And I want us to look at this psalm in this way, that this psalm is all about finding contentment. Now, David's life by far was not perfect. How many know David made a ton of mistakes? That david was uh, was a train wreck many times as a father, he broke most of the commandments. yet when we read the Word of God it says he 's a man after god 's own heart. what? How can david, who 's done all these things, he was pursued by his enemies many many of it was not his own doing, many of it was his own doing, but looking back over the through the Word of God, we see. That David was known as a man after God's own heart. Why? Here's the reason why. David knew how to do a couple things. One, he had a relationship with God. He had a personal relationship with God. And number two, he knew how to repent. He knew to admit his mistakes. And yes, did he pay for the consequences of the choices he made? Absolutely. But he knew how to come to God and ask God for forgiveness. And there's a reason why. Because he had this close personal relationship With his heavenly father. And we're going to see this through the 23rd Psalm. We're going to see how David had this close relationship with him and how God can change his heart and how God can renew his heart. And one of the things we're going to see in verse 3 today is David says that he restores my soul. And I know about you here today. I don't know if some of you need some recharging in your soul today. I don't know if life's kind of beating you up a little bit. Maybe you're just kind of down. Maybe you're like, man, I just can't take one more thing. If one more thing's added to my plate, right, um, I just can't. I can't take another thing. And I want you to realize that God completely wants to do an overhaul of your soul. Not just, not just once a year, not just a one and done thing. But there's a place that we can come to in the Lord where we know that he can recharge our souls. See, the thing that we need most, see, many of us, our our, our provisions are provided for, right? All of us, you probably came here and you've got food, right? You've got food at home. Uh, we, we, we like to eat, right? We're well-fed, right? We like, we like to eat. We have our provisions cared for. But I think where we can make a mistake is this. We can get caught up in our provisions thinking that's the thing that's going to recharge my soul. It's not. It's not. The thing we need is we need, to, we need the Lord to do a complete overhaul of our souls so we know that he's in control, that he can replenish us over and over and over again. And the physical side of that, yes, I thank God that he provides for us, and he does. But there's this whole other spiritual thing that David is talking about that he wants your souls to be replenished. Now, um, I have a, a, a small um, fishing boat, which I love. And over the years, I've had some guys in the church, Ira Jones and Jim McCarter in the church, that's kind of helped me trick out my my, my boat, which which means just kind of upgraded a little bit. And, and there was a game changer for me with my boat is when someone gave me a trolling motor. Now, for those of you that fish or, you know, you, you fish, you know, this is a game changer because what they did was they mounted it on the front of my boat. And so, first of all, I just look cool on the front, controlling the boat with a foot pedal. And you can just get into these really tight spaces to really target bass. So I just, I, I look cool. I just love it. I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? Just casting with my thing. And when I go fishing with my dad or Wesley, they're not in control. I'm always running that control. This is me. You get in the back, all right? Because when you're in the front, you get all the best spots you you hit the best spots first so um it was a game changer but the thing is you have to buy a marine battery with it to control the the motor and that thing runs out pretty quickly and you need a trickle charger to recharge the battery you constantly have to be recharging the batteries our lives are no different our batteries need to be recharged And what David is going to express to us today is, you're not going to recharge your soul by physical means. See, the the lie we believe, if I just had this, if this was just in my life, if this person wasn't in my life, my life would be so much easier. Don't think that way. Because if you think that way, you will never be satisfied. Because guess what? What? If when that person is removed out of your life, someone else is going to be put in your life. When one provision is, is met in your life, there's going to be another provision that's going to be need to be met in your life. When you have one health complication, guess what, you're going to get through that, and then there may there may be another health complication that comes my way. Am I speaking to you guys this morning? Are you guys with me? Because listen, if my soul is not in the right place, there's no amount of provisions in my life that will satisfy me and God. We have to find that place where God restores us. And David finds this secret of contentment and God being his shepherd. And so the reason why I want to spend so much time in Psalm 23 is for this very reason. This is what we need. We need to know that God is a good shepherd who will always take care of you, even when your circumstances are not ideal, even when things aren't going the way you feel they want them to go, God is a good shepherd who will take care of you. And, and, and the graduates that are here today, my prayer for you is that the words here would speak to you as you, uh, go forward in your future. And, and there's a spot here in verse three that's for all of us, but specifically, I believe it's going to be for some of the graduates here today as you embark on your future. So let's look at Psalm 23. We're going to be looking at verses one through three and let's read it together. That was fun over the last couple of, week three in the word of god together so it's up on the screens and we're going to read psalm 23 1 through 3 together in the esv version so let's read it together the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake this is the word of the lord amen let's have it speak to us this morning What I want to focus on here is verse 3. He restores my soul, and he leads me to paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, here's the picture. The picture is the Lord is a good shepherd who causes us. He leads us to lie down in green pastures, and he leads us to restful waters. He is the one that's doing the leading, not me. He is the one that's in control, not me. The shepherd is is the one who knows what's best for his sheep. He knows exactly what they need. He knows exactly what pastures to go to. He knows exactly what waters to take them to that are quiet, still waters, that aren't dangerous waters, that aren't going to harm them. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows each and every one of them. He knows all their quirks all their idiosyncrasies. He knows the diva sheep. He knows the ones that give him problems, right? He knows them all. And guess what? God knows you. He knows all of us. And he he knows all our idiosyncrasies. He knows all our quirks. He knows that all of us have our issues, but he still loves us. Aren't you thankful for that? That he still desires to lead us and to protect us. So the Lord takes care of us. He provides for us. So we don't have to worry See, the thing about the sheep, they didn't have to worry if they were under the care of the good shepherd because they could trust the good shepherd. Now, there's a shift in the psalm here, which is very interesting. The shift of the psalm points to a different direction. David goes from the Lord is leading us to actually the Lord is restoring us. Not only does the Lord lead us, but he ultimately wants to restore us. And so many of us have been beaten up by life, bad relationships, maybe a marriage that didn't work out. We got all this stuff, right? All this baggage in our life that vies for our attention, that makes us feel shameful or guilty for all the things we've done or the bad decisions that we've made in our life. And this is where we can feel burnout, maybe the stresses of life. And this is where we can feel burnout and we just don't feel close to the Lord. So David shifts from, yes, God will lead us, but guess what? He doesn't, only, he doesn't only want to lead you to provisions to take care of you, but he actually wants to completely restore you. Do you get that? Some of you here, you don't feel like you can be restored. How can I be rehabilitated? I've made so many mistakes. Does God really use me? And those things hang over your head as a reminder of your failure. And you're like, can God restore me? Can God still use me when I've made these mistakes? Guess who is writing the psalm? David. Mr. Mistakes. Mr. Sinful. Mr. I've broken all the commandments, right? So we've got a lot of company with David with all our mistakes. Here's the thing. God can still completely restore. So not only does he provide for the physical needs, but he cares for our souls. He cares what's going on in our minds in our hearts. I love what Dr. Ben Shaw says here he says it is the good shepherd then who in restoring our souls binds up our wounds heals our sicknesses and gives us strength in place of weaknesses. He gives us strength in place of weaknesses. I love that. And I appreciate the passage passages in the Bible that speak to restoring our souls after a time of mourning. Now we all know that we're going to go through times of mourning. We're going to go through times of sickness. We're going to go through times of loss. It's, 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 it's evident. You've got, got to come next week because we're going to talk about those times more in depth. Okay? But we all are going to go through it. Even Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have things that don't make sense. You're going to struggle at times. Your faith is going to be tested at times. But I want you to know, even in those times, I can restore your soul and give you joy. And what, and what this passage is saying is when he speaks to restoring your soul, because I appreciate this so much that the Bible doesn't candy coat our hurts, our pains, our struggles. I appreciate the passages that speak to, to God restoring us all after those times of mourning, that, that we are going to go through difficult times at different, at different ways and at different times. And we're told that God would be with us and that his grace would be sufficient for us. I love Psalm thirty eleven. It says this, you've turned my mourning Into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And here's what David is is trying to allude to this restoration of your soul is that God is going to turn that and give you joy. He's going to completely restore you. Does that mean we still have the same things in our lives, maybe, and the same struggles? Absolutely. But there is a time that God takes us through, and it's not, it's not purposeless, it's not haphazard, but he allows us to go through those times, that he does restore us, and he gives us a joy that this world can never give us. And my prayer for you is that you wouldn't be looking for pseudo things in this world to bring joy to your soul, because Jesus is the only one that can completely give you that joy and that comfort, knowing that he's with you and he's strengthening you, that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. And this word restore is interesting. It means to renovate. It means to repair. It means to bring back to that former state. And what David is saying is even though you've gone through these things, maybe you're heartbroken. Maybe you're disillusioned. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe you feel like God gave up on you. And what he says here is God can renew our souls to restore, to repair, to bring back to that former state. In fact, the Hebrew word for for restore is this word "shuv." Shuv, I wish I really had the good Hebrew accent, but it's shuv, I'm probably not doing it justice, but shuv, it means to restore, and the reason what it means is it carries this idea of returning or coming back. Returning or coming back. We all know that sheep can stray, they can wander, and we can wander and we can stray. God will always take us back and he'll always restore us. The word shuv carries the idea of restoring us from sickness, that he will give us a joy, that even though this thing may have beaten us up, God is going to give us a joy, and he is going to restore us and restore our soul so that we can know him and know that he is good and know that he's caring for us. When, uh, when Kathleen and I lived in South Carolina, I was a youth pastor there for eight years, and we served under this one pastor and his family, and they had a, they had a dog um, named Fluffy. And uh, just an original name for a dog, right? This dog named Fluffy. And this dog, Fluffy, should have been 20 pounds, but I think it was like 90 pounds. It was, it was, Fluffy was well taken care of. And um, Fluffy would always run away. And so one of their uh, daughters, Lindy, at the time, she was like 10 or 11. In fact, we support her and her husband. She's uh, her and her husband are missionaries in Nepal, and we support them. And I remember when Fluffy ran away again. He'd usually come back in a day or two. This time, Fluffy wasn't coming back. And I remember Lindy going, can you pray for Fluffy? He's run away. It's been a week. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, oh, my gosh, Fluffy is gone. Fluffy is gone, finally. And Fluffy finally came back. <laughs> Fluffy finally came back after two weeks. And when Fluffy came back, Fluffy lost a lot of weight. You couldn't even recognize Fluffy. Fluffy was completely filthy, dirty, barely recognized, but Fluffy made it home. Now you thought that story was going to end the way you thought it would, right? It's a good, it was a good ending. And I remember they washed Fluffy, they took care of Fluffy, and then Fluffy just looked brand new again, restored to health. See, this is the thing David is saying. God desires to completely restore our souls. A complete renovation, taking us back. And he uses this word soul, and it's the Hebrew word nefesh, and the general idea is breath. It refers to your whole being. He, he wants to renew our souls, our whole being. God restores your whole Being And the reason why we're dissatisfied at times is for the reason that we want our provisions, our physical needs taken care of. But if our souls are not taken care of, we will fall short from knowing the completeness that God desires to do in our hearts and our lives. See, the word picture there is getting your breath back after being winded or sitting in a fresh breeze when you are hot and tired. It's just breathing upon you again, a fresh wind. And and, and God desires to do this in your soul. When we are tired, we feel like we can't take another step, he says, let me renew your soul. Let me do that in your life. It reminds me of Psalms 42.1. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. It's a great song. We used to sing it. I always remember that song back in the early 80s it's an interesting song the background of the song the song basically goes as the deer panteth for the water so my soul hungers after thee you alone are my strength my shield you alone may my spirit yield you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee it was written by a guy named Marty Nordstrom and it was written in 1981 and what's interesting I read the background of it and uh, he was in college early 20s and um he was a songwriter he liked to you know just dabble in music and um, he was pursuing this one girl he thought this relationship was going to work out, and she didn't want to pursue the relationship so she let him down so poor Marty was down he was downcasted and his roommate said to him, why don't you just take a month and just seek the Lord, just fast, seek the Lord. And it was through that month of seeking the Lord and fasting that he wrote these words. One of the most popular worship songs that we sang in the church, especially in the eighties. And he said what he said in the different articles in, 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 interviewing him. He said, what I needed to do is I needed to come to that place where it was a complete surrender to the Lord. And I needed him to restore me. And I needed him to come into my life and do the things that only he could do. See, that's what God desires to do. Not a part, part job in our hearts and our lives, but he desires to completely restore our souls and breathe new life into us. Remember, we need to be recharged all the time because life will beat you up. It will deplete you. It will vie for your attention. It will distract us from what God truly desires. And that's for us to sit at his feet and worship him. When Jesus was speaking to Mary and Martha, Martha was busy, we know. And I'm not putting Martha down. She was busy. But what was Mary doing? She was at the feet of her master worshiping him. And he says she's chose the greater thing. Not that these other things didn't need to be done, but the greater thing, the greater thing is that we're at the feet of our, of our Lord and Savior, seeking him and allowing him to fill our lives so that we can rightly discern this world and not to be drawn to the things in this world to look for satisfaction in my life that only Christ can do. Amen? Let's be found seeking him and him restoring our souls. So what he says is, he says not only does he restore our souls, but he leads us in the right direction. He leads us in the right paths. God will always lead us. He will never drive us. Just as a good shepherd will never drive the sheep, but he will always lead their sheep. A good shepherd leads the sheep to the right ways. He leads them to waters, places to graze. He protects them from predators. Now, if you've ever needed a guide for something, you were very thankful for them. And the shepherds, without the shepherd, the sheep would completely be led astray. They had to completely depend on the shepherd for everything. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, Kathleen, I had the wonderful opportunity to travel to Italy with my brother and sister, and, sister-in-law and our nephew. And there's a host family there that helped us and we stayed at one of their Airbnbs. And, uh, when you get, you know, I had two years of Italian in high school, which I learned nothing, but I remember what food is and how to say good morning and, uh, what's your name, what's my name. That's as far as I could go. You completely depended on these guides. And I remember The host family we were with, there was uh, there was this one gentleman. He was a grandfather, grandfather of the girl that we were visiting, and um, his name was Luigi. And I just loved Luigi. I mean, typical, right, Luigi? He was a doctor, retired doctor. And uh, when we, we were staying in his apartment, and I would look out the window. And he, every morning, he would come by, and we'd go grab cappuccino. Or we'd just, he would take us on little tours around Florence, because that was his city. He took us to Tuscany. And he was the neatest guy. And I would look out the window, because I knew when he was coming. And we were like four stories up or five stories up. And I'd yell out, Ben Luigi. <laughs> and he'd have his little sport coat over his thing. He'd be just trawling down a thing. Hey, Bonjour! I'm like, I want to be him. I I want to do that every day. He spoke no English. He didn't speak a lick of English. And we traveled, and he, we would walk around with him around the city, and he would just talk to me for 20 minutes straight in a tent. I had no idea what he's saying. I had no idea. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I trusted Luigi. I trusted. I knew he wouldn't take us and he wouldn't just abandon us. And he would take us to good spots in the sea, to, to the good places to get, to get coffee, to get cappuccino and get an espresso. I knew you, you, you trusted him. When he drove us into Tuscany, I didn't think he was just going to drop us off and say, have fun finding your way back, right? I, I, we trusted him as our guide. And then the day we had to travel back by ourselves and we didn't have Luigi with us, I'm like, where's Luigi? We need someone to help us, to guide us. Listen, our shepherd is a good shepherd. You can trust him. Not only will he guide you to still waters and green pastures, but he will replenish replenish your soul. You can trust him with that. Now, that doesn't mean life, once again, it doesn't mean life's going to be perfect and everything's going to go our way, but we can trust the good shepherd that he knows what's best for his sheep. And this is what David says. It's very interesting here. He said, he gives this word, he goes, and he will lead us in paths of righteousness. What that means is, it means a course of conduct. A course of conduct. Righteousness, righteousness means to live a certain way. It means doing the right thing. Listen to David's prayer in Psalms 5.8, he said, Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your ways plain for me to follow. What David understood is, even though he made a ton, a ton of bad decisions, there was a lot of paths that David went down. There were paths of destruction. There, there were paths that, that, that caused much destruction in his life and for his family. But David knew the best path was God's path and that God would always take him back and that God would restore him. God gives us his word to guide us and to lead us. See, there's two paths we can go many times. We can take my path and follow my intuition. And how does that work out for all of us when we do that, right? See, and remember the path that you take are made by small little decisions that we make on our own. When we don't, Ask the Lord for wisdom, and we don't consult the Lord. Have you ever been on a path, and you're way over there, and you're like, how did I get here? How did I get here? It was done by a thousand little choices you made that we didn't listen to the Lord, and we trusted ourselves, thinking this was the best way, and then we find ourselves way over here. And God says, my path is a path of righteousness. My path is a path of righteousness, Wrong paths have consequences. And we make choices every single day, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But just remember this, the easiest path is not always the best path. Just remember that when you're making a choice. What's the easiest thing I can do here? Don't ask you, that's, that's a wrong question to ask yourself. See, the question we need to ask ourselves is, God, is this the path you want me on? Is this the right choice for me? And there's something that David will go into that I believe for you graduates and for us here as adults will change the way you live for God if you heed this wisdom. And I want you to notice something. David says, yes, you're going to lead me on these paths of righteousness. And sometimes those paths of righteousness are paths of self-sacrifice. It will always cost you something when you make a right decision for Christ. So why do I choose the path Of righteousness. That's the question. Why do I choose this? This next sentence will change your life, graduates. Listen to me. This will change you. When you're making decisions, this will change your life and allow you to walk down the right course that God has for you. He says, because it's for your namesake. Wait a minute. What does that mean, Pastor? Listen. I don't. I don't follow the paths of righteousness. So it makes me look good. That's that's the wrong. That's the wrong path. The reason why David chose this path and knew this was the best path and this was the path that led to righteousness, he did it for the Lord's sake. The word sake comes from a root meaning which means to pay attention. Pay attention to your life and the choices that you were making. I had no idea this was going to turn to a graduation message, so just follow me, track with me. See, I live my life thinking about how this not will make me look, but how will it make God look? How does my life in Christ, if I'm a follower of Jesus, how does my life in Christ look to others? That's a a good question. If, um, If I were to meet someone you worked with, or your neighbor, or family member, and I were to ask them, what are they like? What are they like at work? What are they like at school? Um, what are you know, just what are they like as, as your neighbor? Be honest, what would they say? So you're like, oh no. I might have to go home and do some apologizing right now, right? See, what David is saying here is I'm thinking about my actions and about what my relationship with Christ, what does that say to others? It's to pay attention. It's to think about it. Do we pay attention to how we react when we are agitated or provoked? Listen. The way you react to when you're agitated or provoked will show what path you are on. Now, listen. Let me poke you. Can I just poke you this morning, okay? I had my, I had my espresso this morning, so I'm hyped up. Listen. Listen. You can read your Bible all you want in the morning, and say, well, I'm on the right path. But it's when you get up from your Bible reading and you get in your car and you're in traffic and your employer irritates you, will show truly what path you are on. I love this quote. This quote from C.S. Lewis is so good from his book, Mere Christianity. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. This is such a truth bomb. Listen to what he says. If there are rats in the cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. Suddenly, but the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. Truth bomb, right? It's not... It, what it shows in our heart... The, 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 The provocation I have with something, the way I react to it shows me truly who I am. It's not the person. It's how I react to that. See, until I'm able to say, Lord, for your sake, I'm paying attention to the way I'm reacting to these certain situations shows me, am I on that right path with you, God? Am I listening to you? Am I withholding forgiveness? Am I holding on to bitterness? Am I just angry all the time? And we can say, well, the reason I'm angry is because you make me angry. The reason why I'm angry is because they're such bad drivers. Guess what? There are bad drivers, and you're probably one of them, right? And I am too, right? They're all bad drivers, right? But we want to blame everybody else, and we don't want to pay attention to ourselves for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, this will save you a heartache of trouble in your future when you ask the question, for the Lord's sake. God, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to react? Now, are we going to blow it? Absolutely. But do we go back to the Lord? Do we own it ourselves? Do we apologize to the person that we may have offended or that we we're abrasive to? It doesn't matter how much you were offended. It matters how you react to that offense. And if I'm not going through the cross of Jesus Christ and not realizing that I've laid all my rights down at the foot of the cross, then I'm going to get defensive I'm going to feel like I'm owed something. But if I'm living in Christ Jesus, I've laid my rights at the foot of the cross, understanding that God demonstrates his love towards me that while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. See, that's the path of righteousness. For the Lord's name's sake, I'm going to admit when I'm wrong, I'm going to apologize when I need to apologize. Listen, let the other person do what they need to do. That's between them and the Lord. But this is your path that you're walking on. That You need to ask the Lord, God, how do you want me to react for the Lord's sake? And if you're living it through Christ Jesus, then he will humble us and we will take the right road of humility. And sometimes it means taking the higher road. Listen, it's not just being right. It is about the relationship. It's so important that we understand for the sake of this relationship, Lord, how do you want me to react? See, we are usually blind to our own weaknesses, aren't we? We're usually blind to our own weaknesses. We pay attention to our lives for the Lord's sake. Asking others what they see in our lives will help us with the rats that are in our lives. See, I want, and I'm sure you do too, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want Jesus to be glorified in my life. I live for him, and I don't want to damage my witness or my testimony for him. And there have been times that I've damaged my testimony because I just wanted to be right, or somebody offended me. And there's my wife right next to me in the car seat, the Holy Spirit, pardon, settle down, let it go, right? For his name's sake, Lord, I want to be on that path of righteousness for you. And I'm glad that he takes us back. I'm glad that we can repent. We can ask for forgiveness. And he puts us on that right road again. Over and over and over again. See, the road of unrighteousness is just one degree off. And then you end up going way off. If you're not careful... And constantly asking God for your name's sake, it's so easy to get off in a field that you never meant to go into because you didn't ask the question. You didn't pay attention. So we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention when someone speaks. Listen, this is hard. When someone speaks into your life, it's easy to give advice and to give wisdom to other people, but it's so much harder to take it. When someone speaks in your life, whether it's your spouse or a good friend that you trust, and they see something that's out of kilter, listen. And what I've learned really quickly over 33 years of ministry, someone may have a critique of me, and it may be 99% wrong. But there's that 1% that could be right. And that's the 1% that God wants me to listen to. Not the 99% because I'm going to justify myself. You know, I'm right. They're wrong. Right. But then the Lord may speak to my heart and say, Barden, is there pride hiding in there? Do you feel good that you're right? Are you putting that person down in front of other people to make yourself look better? Got real quiet in here, real, real quiet. Are you hearing me? For your name's sake, may we pay attention to our lives. That's what I love about the heart of David train wreck in so many areas of his life, but he knew where to go to. He knew that repentance brought him back to a right relationship with his father. He prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, which means he meant don't take your presence from me. And some of you here today, because of your own bitterness and, and maybe not willing to forgive, you're on a path that has caused you to become hardened to hear God's voice. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus or want to follow him, but I'm, you might be on a path that you've hardened yourself from the Holy Spirit speaking to you because of the bitterness that has calloused your heart. Don't get off that path. Get off it. It only leads to destruction. Jeff Benner in his his word study on the Psalms, he does a literal translation and then an extended translation. I love what he says here. Let me finish with this. The literal translation says, in verse 3, he says, He will return my breath. He will guide me in the paths of correction because of his name. I love that. And then look at the extended translation. He says this in his study in the book of Psalms, he says, he will return my breath to me. He will breathe on me, completely restore me. He will guide me down the well-worn path in the correct direction. And I love this because this is his character and reputation. See, if we can see that it's not about me, but it's about God that I'm representing and the relationship that I have with him that's most precious, we're going to make wise decisions. We're not going to go down a path that's going to lead to destruction. God loves you too much to allow you to go down a path that he knows is going to destroy us. That's how much he cares for us. So my question is, what path are you on? Are you on a path of exhaustion right now? Are you on a path of bitterness or anger? Are you on a path of unforgiveness? Let the Lord restore you again. Let him lead you back again. See, the answer is, in Christ, we can be renewed. In Christ, we get a fresh start. In Christ, all things become new. So listen, that's why we take communion. Because what we're doing when we take communion, we're remembering the beautiful sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, that he's restoring through his own blood and sacrifice that which was broken and that relationship because of my sin that destroyed my relationship with God the Father. What brings healing back into our lives is when relationships are restored. Jesus came to restore through his life the broken relationship we had with God because of our waywardness and our sin. Jesus came to lead us in paths of righteousness. What path are you on? Come back. Christ is just waiting. He'll restore you. And then on that path... Make the hard decision to say, what do I what part do I need to take? What do I need to own to restore relationships? Do you realize that at the heart of the gospel message is restoration and reconciliation, not only between us and God, but between you and someone else? God wants to use you to be the one that leads the way in restoration because Jesus led the way in restoring you back to a right relationship with God. Jesus boils down all 600-plus commandments. Love the Lord your God, heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship, relationship. It all boils down to relationships. Let your relationship with Christ humble you. Allow him to break your heart so that you can remain on the right path. Let him restore you. Let him breathe new life into you if you need that. If you need healing because of broken relationships or the path that you're on now, let him bring you back onto the right path again. So we're going to take communion together and uh you take your... Take your communion cup out. Um, if you break the plastic tab on the front, you can pull the top layer off. That will bring out the wafer and then the next foil will release the, the juice. I know that's always tricky. I'll give you a second just to do that so we can prepare to take communion together. Listen, as the, the worship team comes up to the platform and we, uh, we get ready to take communion... Let's not take this haphazardly. The Apostle Paul says that we should examine our heart. So this is your opportunity before the Lord to say, God, I've got some things on my heart. Um, I need need your breath to breathe new life into me today because I'm just burned out. Some of you here today, you're just like, Pastor, I'm I'm not on a good path right now. You're right, there's some stuff in my heart. I need to give that to the Lord. I need the Lord to help me to take the higher path. Let him do that before you take communion. Paul says to examine your heart, if there's anything in there, we can give it to the Lord and we can find forgiveness as we celebrate Jesus' perfect sacrifice for you and I. And he says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Through his blood, it's a new covenant that he makes with us through his own life so that our relationship with God the Father can be right and restored and healthy and good and pure and perfect. Let your soul be restored today. Father God, we come before you. We are broken people. We are broken people. Life can break us. Decisions can break us. We need your help. So I pray that you restore us. I pray that God, the things that are in our heart, the things that we've held on to, the things that we've tried to solve on our own, Forgive us of those times. Lord, I pray for those that are at their wits' end today. I pray you breathe new life into them. Restore their soul. Thank you for your provisions. But thank you more, God, that you restore our soul through your son, Jesus. And God, I pray for those that are not on the right path today. That they would come back to you. Thank you, Lord, that you, through Christ Jesus, no longer hold our sin over our head. The guilt and shame have been swallowed up through the cross of Jesus. So thank you that your blood is enough. It covers us, it cleanses us so that we're free. Free from the condemnation, free from the guilt that was held over our heads, but no longer in Christ Jesus. Thank you for restored relationships. So may we take our restored relationship with Christ Jesus, that we have through Christ Jesus and God the Father. And may that be evident on the path that we're on and how we treat other people and how we are the ones that should be the ones that reconcile relationships. Let us lead the way, God, as you led the way in restoring us Mm -hmm. through your son, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take the wafer and the cup today and let's thank God for his body that was given for us and the cup symbolizing his blood that was shed for us. So let's partake of them together as the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your cup, for this cup. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank the Lord this morning for his goodness, for his word today? He's so good. He's so perfect. Amen. Amen.